Hey there, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. You know what time it is? Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless. If at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for an overall. Let's go. Glad to have you back joining me from anywhere and everywhere around planet Earth. The magic of technology once again continues to amaze this public school kid. I find it all so fascinating. I got an email last week from a show I did three years ago. So I've been doing this since 2017. So we're, we're coming up on some time here. And I got this email from a woman in Atlanta. And she says, I've never heard of you. Where have you been? I'm like, well, I've been doing this since 1997, sister. So it's interesting how people find stuff when they need it, apparently. And she was talking about a show that I had done with Dr. Jane Goodall. When Dr. Jane was here in Chicago, someone I've always wanted to talk to, I have this side thought about Dr. Jane that I bet she could sit down and you know have a nice glass of brandy and a, maybe a little whiskey at the end of the day. We'd have a good chat. But uh, Dr. Jane, of course, the iconic... Uh, figure that she is. Uh, she is a very busy lady. And when she came through Chicago, we were supposed to sit down and, and meet at her hotel and it didn't work out. And I thought the the uh, interview wasn't going to happen. Well, it happened, but it happened over the phone. And she was so apologetic. I should find if I still have, you know, what I call the blooper reel or the extra stuff that I never use. I got tons of that stuff. It's hilarious. But I found her just so fascinating and wonderful. And uh, when we got all the way to the end of the interview, I asked her if she wouldn't mind repeating something that she had said. It wasn't because it wasn't uh, uh, you know, clear. It's just that I thought what she said had a great importance to it. And she said, well, John, for you, I'd do anything. I'm like, wait, well, wait, well, oh, hold on here, Dr. Jane. But she was just a freaking delight. And uh, so anyway, this woman in Atlanta was going through all the shows that are listed at the Life 2.0 podcast page on Podbean. And there's got to be, at this point, 250, 300 shows. I don't know. I've gotten lost in the amount of episodes I've done in radio, television, for sure in podcasting and all the other iterations and uh, places my stuff shows up. It's fascinating to me. I've been doing this a long time and, and I'm good with that, but I also had forgotten so much of what I've done. I had a, um, a show that I'm producing for a good friend of mine, Candace Jordan. Now, Candace Jordan is like the socialite in Chicago. She used to do the Candid Candace column for the Tribune uh, all over the map. I mean, the, I don't know how the woman, if she ever sleeps, her and her husband, Chuck, are at every event that's done in Chicago, large and small, to promote goodwill for the city. And anyway, I've known Candace a long time. Uh, she, I've known her even longer than we actually met in person because, quite frankly, she was Miss December 1979 in Playboy. And my dad had a Playboy subscription, so, of course, I inherited all that stuff. And being the young lad that I was in 1979... I knew who Candace Jordan at the time. Her name was Candace Collins is. So um, probably about six, eight months ago, I'll get into the point here in a second. About six, eight months ago, I approached her. I said, listen, if anybody should be doing a podcast, it should be you. She's so gregarious and and I find her hilarious and uh, so well-traveled and all the kind of stuff. Great stories, great storyteller, uh, great human being. And so we've been working on that. We've only done two podcasts. It's a very different venue than she's used to, which is print media. 
So we're working through all that. So I got her all set up technically. And she had a guest on her show, which is now up and running at the same platform, Podbean. So if you want to enjoy Candace Jordan, the Candid Candace podcast, you go to Podbean, right where this show is, and you just put in Candace Jordan and you'll find the show. So the show that dropped yesterday has a guest of hers named Kathy St. George. And Kathy St. George was like, it was Miss August, 1982. And um, <laughs> she says to me, when we're doing the tech check, Kathy does, uh, she says, I am so technically challenged, but I look really good naked. I'm like, well, okay, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Let's get this thing set up. But Kathy St. George made a comment that just fell right in line with what I'm talking about here to open the show. She said, I've done so much if I wrote a book, I'd have to have other people write chapters of the stuff I forgot about that they remember. And I'm constantly having people come up and tell me things. I'm like, I have zero recollection of what I said, who I interviewed, where I spoke. It gets really after all these years to be kind of like a blur, a good blur, but a blur nonetheless. So thanks for joining me this morning. I don't know what that ramble was all about, but I had to clear my pipes and get moving. Once again, of course, I'm working without a net. I don't have any notes here. I'm doing the tra trapeze thing, you know, swinging from the open of the show to the end of the show. And in that middle part, that's where I'm just kind of winging it and flying. All week I've had in my mind some things I wanted to talk about and share and, uh, and, and put out to the world. And first and foremost, before I forget this, uh, I lost a dear friend three years ago named Hillary Ramo. Hillary uh, was a force of nature. Let's just put it that way. Uh, she introduced herself to me way back when I was at Harpo and she was just starting out in, in the media business. And she wanted to get into radio, and I said, don't do it. <laughs> it's just a shit show, and you really got to gird yourself for the long haul because it's a great medium to reach the world, but, you know, a lot of people dump out of it. It's a difficult business. It's filled with a lot of lower-level human beings, and you don't want to spend time in there if you don't have to. Anyway, she didn't listen, and I helped her get into radio, and her content was uh, different, very different than mine. She was, I'm not going to say conspiracy theory, but she was a great what-if person. She would dig around corners that I didn't even think of yet. Well, what about this? And what if this? So I did her show a few times. We had a great, great uh, connection. I helped publish a couple of her books. And um, we were good friends. She passed away three years ago today, uh, only in her 40s. And it was right at the advent of COVID. And we're not sure if that played a role or not. But I just know that I miss her. And before I move forward, I just wanted to, to get that out in the world. And wherever she is listening, and I'm sure she is, um, we miss you so very, very much. One of the reasons I appreciated Hillary's work is she took the focus off the usual suspects, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. I'm just going to use those as the big three. Then if you jump over, that's on cable. If you jump over to the, quote, traditional terrestrial television, you got CBS, NBC, ABC, and here locally in Chicago, you got Channel 9, WGN. And of course, PBS does their version of it, of the news. And this is, I know going into this show, this is an oft-repeated theme for me. So what? Because I'm telling you right now, I need the reminders. It's to me like going to the gym, right? You can't go to the gym once a month and stay in shape. It just doesn't work unless you have some incredible genes that no one else has. So you have to constantly, at least I have to constantly be in whether, even if I don't want to go, which happens more and more the older I get. I've been working out since I was 14. And I, I got hooked into it because of uh, pumping iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I took it to the nth degree, did all that, did a lot of powerlifting. And now these days, you know, Pilates sounds like a good idea, even though I've never done it. But I do a lot, a lot more stretching and things. But I, I still have to go. I force myself to go to the gym some days 
because I know it's good for me. So I'm also being reminded this morning as I've gone through all some of the things I wanted to talk about and hopefully reminding you that sometimes you have to force yourself to get away from that which is not good for you. People, places, and events. And over the years, some of the places I've worked were really great and some places I thought, what? what? And same thing for the events, some places I've been and events I've been involved in uh, of a highest order. The TED Talks I've done, I, I am so honored to even be part of anything like that. I mean, come on. I went to public high school and grammar school. Best grades, lunch, and gym. How does a guy like me end up here? Nonetheless, I'm here. Uh, but then there's other things I got involved in, and I thought, this is not good. I, one of the prime examples was I was in a business deal with a couple of guys who both passed away, who I also miss dearly, uh, a couple of pro wrestlers. And uh, it seemed like a really good idea when we got involved. And the deeper we got, the, the worse it got. And I kind of got stuck holding the bag business-wise. And I had to pull out of that because I knew if I didn't, the shit's going to hit the fan. And let me tell you what, when the shit hits the fan, you want to be behind the fan, not in front of it. So I pulled out of that deal. This has got to be back in 93, 94, 95, somewhere in there. And because of that, it created a ripple effect that, if, that, that touched my family in ways that, you know, it, it took years to recover from. We lost our home and, and uh, had to move. And there was always, but in, in hindsight, you know, it all worked itself out, but you don't see it in the moment. Uh, but I had to make, had to pull a plug on that, make that decision. So the long and short of it is the world today, in my opinion, and I've said this many times before, it, it's in flux, right? I don't know that it's any worse than it was in 1968, for example, which I always call up, or 67, you know, from 63 to 68, we lost John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., and Robert Kennedy within five years, all assassinated here in our soil. At the very same time, civil rights is exploding. At the very same time, the Vietnam War is off the effing charts. We don't have that stuff going on here today. We got our own shit going on. But I pull out these specific time periods because when somebody says to me, you know, you're, you're delusional. You know, the world's never been worse than it is now. I'm like, well, how do you judge that? Well, one of the ways I think that it has become to look like it's worse is because the news is everywhere. You can get alerts on your phone. I don't know who would want to do that. Why would you want to get alerts on the phone of stuff you can't control that makes you feel bad? I mean, I don't get that at all, especially the older I get. I don't have a bunch of time to mess around with this. If I'm really lucky and everything lines up, maybe I got 10, 12, 14 years, maybe. 15? You think I'm going to spend time on that? So anyway, um, last week I bookmarked a certain page on CNN. It's their homepage because there was just a slew of shit there. And I was going to use it, and I'm going to use it as an example against another, another page, which is showing the exact opposite. Two different A's and B's here, points of view of the world. So of course I forgot that when I bookmarked the CNN page, they updated every, what, nine seconds? So everything that I had sitting there last week is kind of gone. But there's just a whole new slew of shitty news stories this week. I will say that on one hand, uh, there's a picture of my friend Dr. Jane there, famous scientist, answers 10-year-old's question about animals, which I'm not going to get into today because we don't have time. But when I run down the CNN page today, this is purely for perspective. I'm just going to read these headlines. And, and, and listen to this stuff. And I don't know who, I mean, they have some intern probably writing it. And this is all clickbait, as we call it. It's something to get you to click on and read the story, okay? The only bait I'm interested in is fishing. The rest of the stuff don't care. 
It says, why people take one of the most perilous walks on earth. And it shows this video of these migrating hordes of humans, a 66-mile journey through uh, the Darien Gap, a minefield of mud, mountains, robbers, and murderers. Yet the number of people making the trek is growing. Well, apparently they keep doing it every year, so not too many people get off. The NBA fined the Dallas Mavericks $750,000, saying the team undermined the integrity of our sport. Inside the Fury's week-long scramble to hunt down a massive Pentagon leak, which turned out to be a 21-year-old airman who probably needs some counseling. Former NBA star Sean Kemp faces felony charges in shooting outside of Tacoma. See the moment Russian ships approach NATO task force while CNN is on board. Man arrested after explosion prompts evacuation of Japanese leader from speech venue. He was convicted of murdering George Floyd. New video shows he used brutal force years later. Here's what you can do if you lose Medicaid coverage. Areas hit in recent weeks from tornadoes could face severe weather again this weekend. New era, Germany quits nuclear power, closing its final three plants. That's a good story. Fort Lauderdale begins long recoveries as thousand-year floodwaters recede. Hundreds waiting to go home after Indiana recycling plant fire. Tupperware, how a plastic bowl with a burp seal gave women a means to an income, but it also says, watch out for the dangers of Tupperware. Walmarts are closing all over the place. And it goes on and on and on. And this changes about every, I think they update every nine minutes, somewhere in there. So it's just a constant rotation of all the worst stuff going on in the world. And depending on what landing pad you choose or where you look, uh, you can't escape it. Meaning you'll run on CBS, for example, uh, evening news and the most trusted news anchor in America will read about 22 minutes of shit news and give you, here's our good news story of the day to make you feel better on the way out of the door. And I keep thinking, what if you did 22 minutes of good news and gave us one shit story? How would that change? Anyway, the opposite of all this stuff, and again, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, they all have their stuff. Over on the other side of the place is a, is a, a little area I have come to know as the Good News Network. www.goodnewsnetwork.org, the world's premier source for the other stuff that's going on in the world that doesn't make headlines on any of those other sources, which most people use. Let's go down their list, if you don't mind. Uh, let's see. World's most romantic river, the Seine, is cleaned up ahead of the 2024 Olympics in Paris with overwhelmingly good water. For years, it was used as a dumping ground. They've cleaned it up. Texas lists two critical pollinated flowers as endangered species, practically guaranteeing milkweed recovery. Why is that news? Because it's about the butterflies. Everything is connected. Those who think positively about aging are more likely to regain memory, landmark study shows. Tree-growing nonprofit is sprouting entrepreneurs with unique training and lots of trees for Madagascar that are in desperate need of them. There's a nonprofit that's training rats to sniff out tuberculosis, which I don't even know is still a thing anymore, but it is more sensitive than microscopic testing. Here's one of my favorites. The biggest EV battery recycling plant opens in the United States. EV, of course, electronic vehicles. And when people start talking about shifting power sources, I go back to this movie I saw called The Heart of the Sea, which is directed by Ron Howard. And at the, right towards the end of the, sh the movie, which is all about whaling, uh, they're, they're, it was really about Moby Dick and kind of the whole thing around that. But towards the end of the movie, literally as they're, they're closing, one of the characters says to the other guy, yes, I've heard they've discovered oil that can be pulled from the ground somewhere in Oklahoma. This has been the 1800s. And the other guy goes, they'll never get rid of whale oil. We'll always have whales. 
not so much. So as we change our power sources over time, whether it's wind, solar, electronic vehicles, which I find fascinating. You know, there are some things in my life I never thought I would see. Cubs win a World Series, Bruce Jenner become Caitlyn Jenner, and electronic vehicles in the form of a pickup truck. And now the F-150 by Ford, there's rolling them out left and right. They've gotten to the point where electronic vehicles are becoming a real thing. It's the evolution of energy. And each one of these evolutions of energy carries with it positive and negative. We, this is new technology. We've got to figure stuff out. But anyway, one of the big challenges is that you know, there's a, there's a barking going on about the EV batteries. What are you going to do with them? You can't just put them in the ground, right? In Covington, Georgia, a 30,000 ton per year recycling facility for batteries and battery scrap just switched on. Uh, this Massachusetts-based startup will be har- harvesting lithium carbonate, cobalt, manganese, and other battery minerals and selling them back to the market, circumventing the huge challenge that comes from opening new mines. And those are not good things. Those mines, not good. Totally not good. The, the, the young men and women that work in there for pennies, so these companies can take these minerals out, power everything from cell phones to electronic vehicles, not good. The Covington location can take apart around 70,000 electric vehicles worth of batteries while allegedly providing enough free cash flow to allow Ascend to pay car manufacturers a little for their old batteries to make doubly sure they don't end up in landfills. So here's what happens. We have a problem. Somebody comes up with a solution. It may not be a perfect solution, but it's a solution nonetheless. And as more and more electronic vehicles roll out, you got to replace the batteries. Instead of putting them in a landfill and burying them, and all that shit leaks out and leaches out into the soil, somebody figured out how to recycle them. This is good news. This is something good. I didn't hear this on anywhere else, CNN, MSC, CNN, MSNBC, or Fox, or any of the big other three. CBS, NBC, ABC. I didn't hear any of that. So my point in this rant, as I'm rolling in here, is it's about consciousness, folks. It's about common sense for uncommon times. But we've always lived on common times. One of the great challenges, I think, is expectation and reality rarely lines up. We expect life to be different than it is. I can tell you how one thing's changed for me with all the shootings that have gone on. Now, none of that was part of my growing up. People were definitely shot and killed all the time. We just didn't hear about a lot. The whole school shooting thing and the movie shooting thing, those are new. But people have been shooting each other forever since there was gunpowder. But one thing has changed for me. And this is what I've talked about in many shows called SAID, Specific Adaptation to Imposed Demands. When we go out, as we did last night to the movies, I am on constant alert to watch for something that could go down. I've never thought about that before. This all went back to this movie shooting in Denver, I think it was a few years ago. And not long after that, we were in a big theater and a guy walks in. I think he was doing it just to be funny, but he walked with this long black coat and he just stood off to the side, like looking at all of us. And I thought, I'm going to F and take you over the top of the railing. I don't think you know that I'm in the audience. You know what I'm saying? So I go in with this attitude that I have to be on alert for that. I'm watching the movie for sure, but that's just my left eye. My right eye, I'm constantly checking to see behind me if the door opens as it did last night a couple times in the movie theater, I'm already turned and ready to go. I'm already ready to tell my significant other on the floor, call 911 and I'm going take, I don't care if I'm done. This will not happen on my watch if I can possibly prevent it. I don't want to think that way, but I've adapted my thinking to that way. I also keep some brass knuckles in my pocket in case I need them because my fingers hurt and I don't want to hurt it myself if I have to whack a guy. So, that has changed for me. By the way, we saw Renfield, and if you get a chance and you like movies like that, 
Um, it's not Dracula like in the old school sense, but there was some of that moved in and mixed into the movie. Uh, but I loved it. And I grew up on this horror movie stuff and I just got the biggest kick. I thought Nicolas Cage was great. But this comes down to consciousness, as I said. And yesterday morning, up early again, uh, didn't feel like writing, but working on this Randy Hundley book, my hands needed a break, my brain needed a break. Rarely do I turn the television on at all. But yesterday morning, I thought, well, it's up. I'm up about 4.20 in the morning, just the way it works out. I was in bed early, made some coffee, fed the cat, watched the sunrise. And I went over to Netflix, and I watched a uh, documentary called My Octopus Teacher. Now, this thing's been out for a couple years, and I'm way past, like, the wave already came and gone, no pun intended. And uh, I'm probably the last guy to watch this, this Netflix documentary. It's an hour and a half. And it was fascinating to me, as it's been to millions of people, where this guy who is a filmmaker uh, had really got burned out and lives off the Cape of South Africa, somewhere in there uh, is where he's from. And he retreated back to that place and didn't want to do with filmmaking, but he was, grew up in the sea, loved swimming and all that kind of stuff. So he went back to that and it helped rejuvenate him and bring him back alive. And he comes across this octopus and this interspecies communication thing starts. It's very cool. Not unlike me and the robins in the yard who wait for me every morning to give them mealyworms for breakfast. You know, we have this thing here. We're kind of in conjunction, simpatico. And uh, so I watched this. And, and, and of course, at the end, you know, octopuses don't live that long. He was very distraught and upset, but also obviously understands the circle of life. And um, I just, I got drawn into this thing. And the reason I think it happened for me is I, I, I related to this guy about putting everything away and just being done with it all, you know? In the world that I've chosen to inhabit, whether it's writing books, because you write books, people go, when's the next book coming out? You ever try and write a book? So it's, you know, the next book, the next podcast, uh, the next talk, whatever it is, it's always coming at me. And that's good because it's my livelihood. On the other hand, there are days I just want to go swimming with an octopus. That's it. And I watched this and it dawned on me that obviously, and this guy talked about it a little bit, that these are highly intelligent creatures as are squid. And so I'm thinking of these animals that have been on the planet for like a half billion years. We've been around 250,000 years. And we think we know it all because we have it all. And so I wrote this yesterday. I put it on Facebook. I'm going to share it here today to kind of close out the show uh, to make a point. And we'll see if I can do that. According to the U.S. Department of Education, 54% of adults in this country, United States, have what's called prose literacy below the sixth grade level. 54%. With 300 million Americans, 54% of them, more than half, have prose literacy below the sixth grade level. This accounts for the lack of understanding of any concepts that are deemed too advanced when it comes to their ability to understand basic quantitative literacy. Prose, or the knowledge and skills needed to search, comprehend, and use continuous text, examples like editorials, news stories, brochures, instructional materials, they don't have that. It just stopped. Documents was the knowledge and skills needed to search, comprehend, and use non-continuous text in various formats, like research and go move around and put pieces together. Not happening. Quantitative, the knowledge and or skills required to identify and perform computations either alone and sequentially using numbers embedded in printed materials. Doesn't work for them. People at that level, half our country, 54% 
are moved more by basic emotion rather than critical thinking. They do little to improve their skills. They're unwilling to move past their social groups. And there's a reason for that because they stay with people who are at the same level they are, which is their comfort zone. Who wants to get uncomfortable? Conversely, recent studies on the intelligence of the common octopus has determined that they possess a greater brain for its body size than all other creatures on earth and can perform high order cognitive actions using like tools and problem solving. The neural structure of the octopus's brain is their seat of learning and their cognitive abilities are at the sixth grade level. Furthermore, if we could turn all the animals into humans to take an IQ test, octopuses would outscore most humans on the math portion at a genius level above 140. Yours truly included. They've been on the earth, as I mentioned, estimated 500 million years by fossil records. They are highly adaptable animals, constantly pushing the boundaries of their existence and living most of their short lives alone until the mating ritual to which they expire shortly after as their purpose is fulfilled. It is believed that squids are slightly less intelligent than octopus and cuttlefish. However, various species of squid are much more social and display greater social communications, etc., leading some research to conclude that squids are on par with dogs in terms of intelligence. Conclusion by this author, a liquid-filled, soft-bodied, eight-limbed mollusk of the order of octopoda are as smart as half the people in the United States, if not smarter. That's something to consider before you order your next appetizer of octopus or calamari, don't you think? I don't want to leave this on a low note. I want to leave this on a high note. And when I think of high notes, I think of my friend John Barry. And as I've mentioned in this show many times, there's, I, I love music. It is, the, it is the universal language. It changes emotion. It's, 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 a, it's a gift. It's magic to me. And people who can create music, something out of nothing, they have my attention. Because of legal reasons, I can't play everybody's music I'd like to play because that, it wouldn't be the thing to do. It, yet, there are probably half a dozen artists that I know personally, John Barry and Heidi Newfield and Dave Stoddard and John Denver and there, Kathy Bolton, and there's a few more, that they just like, go for it. Thank you for playing our music. Thanks for keeping it relevant. Happy to do it. JB was up here in the Chicago area at Hey Nani, which is in Arlington Heights, a suburb of Chicago on March 1st at a great two-and-a-half-hour concert. It's kind of funny because... Uh, we had lunch earlier in the day, and I had asked him. This isn't the funny part. I'll get to that in a second. I had lunch, and I said, how do you keep doing this? He's been doing this 25 years, somewhere in there, 30, I don't know. And at first, he says, uh, I need a lot of sleep. And the second thing is, is, it's his faith that keeps him moving. So later that afternoon, I had gone home to go back to the concert and had planned on doing an introduction. We had all this whole thing set up ahead of time. I couldn't find him. And uh, by the time I found him and the guy from the venue found him, he was sleeping in the green room. So we had to skip all the introduction stuff and all that so we can get out and do his job. And uh, I am a huge admirer of his work as a musician and artist, but even more so as a human being. I don't know how he continues the pace that he does after coming back from cancer, brain surgery, and a, a host of other maladies. I'm just glad that he has. So I'm going to send you out with some John Barry today. Uh, to make you feel better, lift things up a little bit. Remember, what you focus on the longest becomes the strongest. Watch what you're watching because it's no different than what you're eating. What you ingest is who you become, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, across the board. And my thanks to those who are the Life 2.0 subscribers, especially those who have been with me since day one. All right, that's it. I appreciate you listening. Safe travels. Until next time, keep the faith. Good to see you.
turning heads She was just always kind of there She had a few nice features more or less No red ribbons in her hair but Since that Jessie's been coming to the diner Folks are saying that she never looked finer You ought to hear them say She's taking a shine Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine to light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a gem, a diamond within She's taking a shine Oh, yes, she has Rosie hardly ever missed a bit of work Never took vacation days Home of the diner It was all the same to her She didn't know any other way But each afternoon now She starts to come alive Cause Jessie's there each day To pick her up at five You ought to hear them say She's taking a shot Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a gem, a diamond within She's taking a shine Oh, what a little love can do Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a chill, a diamond within She's taking a shine She's taking a shine Thank you so much.